Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett, the nation's largest newspaper company. I'm John Kennedy, coming to you from Gannett's Florida Capitol Bureau in Tallahassee. And I'm joined this week by Antonio Finns, the political editor of the Palm Beach Post. Hello, Antonio. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm afraid our uh, usual host, Zach Anderson of the Sarasota Herald Tribune, he's uh, down a little bit, uh, not feeling so good, uh, but uh, he's going to bounce back. But there's plenty of news this week, though, in Florida politics. Florida is getting uh, another congressional seat. The legislative session is wrapping up with some big wins for Governor Ron DeSantis. And Florida lawmakers appear to have reached a deal to expand gambling. We'll be discussing that this week. But uh, before we do anything, this is the time that we pick a number. Antonio, have you come in here with a number? I have. And, you know, given that Zach is not here, I'm going to make up for the fact that his absence is going really big, almost record level here. Nine billion. Nine billion. That's not bad. Antonio, I do have a number today, and it's 101.5 billion. So we'll come back to those and figure out what all these billions mean. You know, it's been a uh, a wild time this week with uh, the census figures finally coming out. State population counts from the 2020 census were released, and they show that Florida keeps growing at a steady clip. But the state's growth rate was not as significant as expected. So instead of two new congressional seats, the state will only get one additional seat, bringing the delegation up from 27 members of the U.S. House to 28. Uh, That'll happen sometime next year uh, after maps are redrawn and uh, seats are then up for election, obviously. Um, Antonio, was this a missed opportunity for Florida when some of the the census count in Florida, some people are saying it's uh, it's undercounted. Um, some have questioned whether the state was aggressive enough, the DeSantis administration particularly, in getting people counted. What are you hearing? Well, yeah, John, I think there's you know it's hard not to come to that conclusion that there was a missed opportunity and the state will pay for it both politically and and economically. Let me let me get explain why. Um, now, no, look, this is some of this is typical year after census second guessing that Florida seems to go through every decade. Yes, every 10 years, the federal government orders the constitutionally mandated population count. And as the count approaches, there are warnings and exhortations and shoulder shoulder shrugging across Florida from advocate and civic types. Um, you know, last year's census, however, drew more consternation than, consternation than usual. First, in the lead up to the count, there was a lot of controversy and drama out of Washington around the push by the Trump administration to include that infamous citizenship question. That fight actually was led by Palm Beacher Wilbur Ross, by the way, uh, who served as Trump's secretary of commerce. Uh, The question about citizenship after a protracted court fight was left off the questionnaire. But by the time the Trump team dropped the issue in mid-2019, there was enough reason to worry that the message was sent to immigrant communities that this count was not meant to include them. 
that it was for quote unquote, maybe true Americans. And of course, in Florida, which has so many immigrant enclaves, that was the absolute wrong message to send and potentially self-defeating when it came to uh, encouraging people to step forward and be counted. And we're not just talking about, you know, it, it potentially undocumented immigrants that didn't get counted. I mean, we're talking about legal residents, legal immigrant residents who were given the message that this is not to count them. This is to count only U.S. citizens. Uh, that's something that's a point that was raised by a lot of uh, these advocates. And, I, I, and there, there's there is some truth to that. I mean, there's there's some plausibility to it. Then there were the other concerns that the state was late to the game in coordinating its census campaign. It wasn't until January of 2020, three months before the count began, by the way, that Governor Ron DeSantis finally established a complete count committee. Now, these are groups that look way the statewide coordinate committees that look for ways to get information about the census out there and to boost completion of these surveys. Here's the thing, that this was really the first census that was conducted in the era of social media, where you had this opportunity to really explain to people and get the word out about the count and how important this is through these social media platforms. And the state really didn't come, you know, the you know, there's no question that the governor and the state were late to the game on this front and in trying to get the word out and organizing and, and really uh, promoting the census count and how important it is. And then, of course, there was a pandemic, which further complicated the census count. Just as, you know, the count was to begin in April, we were already going into lockdown and shutdown, or almost were going into lockdown and shutdown. So, you know, all in all, it is hard to conclude that Florida will not suffer for it. It's hard to explain, for example, how Texas's population growth was enough to earn it two congressional seats, but Florida's growth only merited one congressional seat. And, and Florida will pay literally over the next decade in what will be population allotted billions of dollars in lost federal money for highways and social services. Now, this much I can tell you for certain, you know, Florida's population is booming even more right now. Our real estate columnist, Alexander Cloud at the Palm Beach Post has been writing about this growth spurt since the pandemic began as people who have learned they can work remotely leave high tax states for Florida. Um, you know, Florida will have another chance at an accurate count in nine years. You know, let's hope next time is better handled. Uh, again, you know, it's impossible to know how many people were left uncounted, but when you connect the dots, it's, you know, it's hard to conclude that there, there weren't a lot of people that are here that didn't get counted and we're going to pay for it. And, and somewhat ironically now too, for Republicans in uh, Washington, the undercount in Florida may yield uh, a less of a chance of them picking up Republican seats for Congress uh, where, you know, it's, it's such a narrow ma majority Democrat right now that uh, Republicans could benefit from a red leaning state like Florida if it had more congressional races here. But um, it looks like we're going to only have one next year. Uh, in, in the more immediate, we have uh, the legislative session tomorrow is uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Friday is going to be the final day of Florida's 60 day legislative session. And uh, th 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 there's one guy pretty happy about the way things are going, and that's Governor Ron DeSantis. He already has signed on uh, one bill that he pushed through uh, the legislature. That was the controversial so-called anti-riot bill, a measure cracking down on protesters that were uh, involved in events that may turn violent. Um, other DeSantis priorities also look you know, guaranteed to make it to his desk, including a controversial elections overhaul 
and a, a social media uh, censorship bill. Um, you know, DeSantis uh, has already been getting presidential buzz for the way he has handled the pandemic and just, you know, his appearances at the conservative political action conference and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, red meat sort of issues. And uh, these bills are likely to uh, strengthen his hand with the uh, Republican base. It, it, it really does look like he is positioning himself to become a champion for issues that really seem to animate this Republican Party base. You know, we've seen that mentioned uh, the, the law enforcement defending anti-riot bill, a crackdown on social media sites. Those were the ones, of course, that deplatformed President Trump uh, for his falsehoods about uh, voter fraud and uh, inciting violence in the uh, January 6th insurrection. Uh, and, of course, uh, there's uh, an elections overhaul that uh, limits uh, ba mail ballots and drop boxes. Uh, all these things seem to play into those, uh, you know, Fox News claimed uh, uh, claims of uh, voter fraud that you're hearing so much about still. Um, so DeSantis there, you know, he's managed kind of a trifecta with these three bills. Uh, now they're all likely to be challenged in court on grounds that, well, the, the voting changes possibly violate federal voting law protections and the protest bill and social media legislation are seen as raising constitutional free speech issues, among other potential problems. Uh, the, the social media bill maybe has some commerce clause problems when it comes to trying to regulate interstate commerce. Uh, these are what some Democrats and even a few Republicans have told me are, you know, really designed to, to, to placate the base and, uh, you know, maybe in a strange irony, again, uh, DeSantis's success in this session also may have been attributed to Democratic President Joe Biden and the uh, $10.2 billion in federal stimulus money that was sent to Florida as part of the American Rescue Plan. All the money that the state received has allowed DeSantis to spend more on the environment and uh, cover the 4.6 million Floridians that are now on Medicaid, a lot of them because of COVID-19 layoffs. And, uh, you know, he can even pour money into fixing the, the Connect system, the uh, online unemployment system that was such a failure when so many people lost uh, their jobs. Uh, along the way now to DeSantis uh, in this budget that the legislature is finalizing, he's going to be able to give out $1,000 bonuses to teachers, principals, first responders, and correctional officers. Those are seen as uh, kind of general thank yous for what they did during the pandemic. So, uh, you know, that may all have an appeal to some voting cohorts that are sort of outside the traditional, you know, Fox watching uh, GOP base. So, um, you know, remember, De DeSantis has his eye on the White House in 2024, but he first wants to win re-election next year, something that uh, this session probably helped him with in, in one way or another. Uh, but because both of his, so, so many of these moves are, are aimed at warming up the base and uh, spending big to attract the uh, support of independents and maybe even a few Democrats in the end, he, he looks to be in pretty good shape coming out of this session. So, uh, you know, that's... that's uh, DeSantis is in a fairly good position right now uh, as he goes forward. And then even as the regular session winds down, legislators are already being called back by DeSantis into a special session for May to debate a gambling deal that he's approved with the Seminole tribe. This is a significant development because it would have uh, a, a major expansion of gambling uh, by legalizing sports betting at Seminole casinos and also uh, allowing bets to be placed at paramutual facilities and uh, basically giving the Seminole tribe more table games at their casinos as well. 
it would bring a lot of revenue to the state, uh, but it's uh, far from a sure thing um, because there are, as always with any gambling issues, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Antonio, I'm wondering in South Florida, this has always been a, a mecca for uh, gambling. Is is this issue just looked at as uh, it's got to happen and it's something that a lot of South Florida Democrats like too, isn't it? Yeah, you know, this is, you know, we've had in South Florida a love hate relationship with uh, gambling and, and gaming and so forth. You know, we go back 35 years to when the, the lottery was approved in the state in 1986. And that was a year in which there were two constitutional amendments that had to do with gambling. One was a state lottery, and then the other one was casino gambling, and casino gambling went down. But that was something that you know, the, the, the uh, pro-gambling interests in this state have long been advocated. And finally, at the beginning, in the early 2000s, there was uh, the constitutional amendment to allow it, that, you know, casino gambling to take place. And it was sold on jobs and, and education. It, it, whenever you want to get anything done in the state, John, as you know, is uh, just wrap it up in jobs and education and, it, and the voters will approve it. That's part of the sales. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how a lot of this is getting done now. The, Interesting, you don't hear as much about that right now with the sports betting part of it. I think that by now, I think uh, you know, in this state, the, the, the initial, you know, the, the, the lack of interest in some areas of the state, the, the opposition in other areas of the state, shall we say, you know, has been kind of overcome. And I think people have come close, they've come to terms with the fact that, you know, casino gambling is a, is a big part of now the state entertainment and tourism draw. Then yeah. um, in Broward County, the just uh, last year, the or year in the last couple of years, it was the, the major hotel that was built here, the big guitar hotel with two lasers that go up in the air. So this is all, you know, part of. Uh, I think it's just part of the the um, the landscape in in Florida commerce and Florida tourism and entertainment. Now the interesting thing, as you said, is you know this is DeSantis's role in this and getting this done. And I think that he is at this point, you know. Getting as much done as he can, as like like you said, get setting himself up for a potential next act in politics, and clearly, you know, he has raised his profile immensely just since the end of the election. And you you're seeing the the surveys, the voter surveys, where he pops up as, if not the leading candidate potentially for 2024 among Republicans, certainly at the top. And we saw that in the survey at CPAC and a couple other surveys after. And the interesting thing about it is. It, you don't see him going to Iowa. You don't see him going to New Hampshire like some of these other candidates are, you know, trying like Pompeo and others, you know, Mike Pompeo and others that are going already doing the traditional campaign beat. He, he, he's not. He, he's focused here in Florida, getting it done. And that will sort of uh, burnish his image as a, a get it done governor. He does have a trip to Pennsylvania planned uh, right after what, what looks like right after this uh, special session on gambling, because, right. uh, you know, that that's another, uh, you know, toss up state in a way. Uh, that's the state that uh, Biden's victory basically uh, there uh, sealed the uh, put him over the top when it came to 270 mm -hmm. electoral votes. So uh, that, that, that's kind of an eye catcher for the governor, too. Yeah. But you're right. He's kind of focused on what's in front of him right now in Florida. Uh, for the moment. And, uh, you know, th this thing with the, the, the state's compact with the Seminole tribe has effectively lapsed with the uh, tribe stopping payments in 2019 to the state. They had been about $350 million a year. So there's been an effort to try to get that started again now for a couple of years. And even before they stopped paying, they were trying to revive the, uh, extend the compact. Uh, Senator, Senate President Wilton Simpson, he was pretty influential in trying to get the parties together this uh, spring. Uh, it's 
it's a money thing for the legislature as well. Uh, but it's always the same story with gambling, and that's the, the, the paramutuals want more, the tribe wants what it wants, and then there's a sizable cadre in the Florida House primarily heavily influenced by the central Florida theme parks, Disney World primarily, that don't want to see gambling expanded in any way. Not so much because of a, you know, trouble in River City kind of view that once seemed to flourish among socially conservative lawmakers, but but it's more, as you pointed out, you know, that gambling would compete for the spending dollars that are now going to the theme parks. So um, the other thing that's a, a factor that we'll have to see how it interplays with this uh, expansion is uh, voters in 2018 overwhelmingly approved a constitutional amendment that requires voter approval for any new casino gambling. That includes sports gambling, according to the opponents. Now, this Amendment 3 was promoted by for the ballot by the theme parks and the tribe, but there seems to be an apparent divide now because the tribe benefits big time in this proposal. Um, the, the amendment had basically enhanced the uh, authority of the Seminoles to operate casinos, but um, while this might be seen as a, as a hurdle to sports betting, uh, such activity, when it's operated through the tribe, is, uh, in, in DeSantis's view, that's going to comply with the constitutional terms of uh, Amendment 3. So that, that's still sort of an open question here that you're going to hear a lot of you know, arguments over going forward. But um, DeSantis and his allies want to get this compact done and giving the Seminole tribe authority to run the sports book for online betting in Florida, uh, that that may seem pretty smart with uh, the horse and dog tracks and high life frontons, uh, you, know, you know, also uh, contracting with the tribe. So, so these financially struggling paramutuals would do pretty well under this as well. But uh, the other question still outstanding will be the uh, National Indian Gaming Commission uh, has to approve it in some fashion. Uh, that's the regulatory board that uh, is empowered to approve or reject whether sports book operations is something that a tribe should run. Uh, it's already happening in Arizona. Online sports books were only approved by a U.S. Supreme Court ruling in 2018. So uh, Florida would be on the cutting edge of this, and uh, you know if it does happen, and uh, they're already looking at this uh, 30-year compact that DeSantis has uh, signed, that still is subject to approval by the legislature. That would give the state 500 million dollars a year in tax revenues for starters. So um, you know we'll watch, we'll see what uh, Central Florida lawmakers and other Disney allies whether they're going to fight it. Uh, as we point out, especially from South Florida, Democrats are mostly supportive of expanded gambling. Uh, so DeSantis will probably have more trouble with Republicans getting this through. And, uh, you, you know, the question also being, will it be a, a conflict with Amendment 3 and somehow have to go back before voters? So uh, place your bets politically anyway. But it looks like uh, DeSantis could again be, uh, you know, one of the big winners when uh, this is all said and done in mid mid-May. And, uh, you know, then he goes to go to Pennsylvania to speak to the uh, Allegheny uh, County Republican uh, Club and uh, talk about, you know, my vision for uh, America. So we'll see where that goes. But we have a few visions of numbers. Now, Antonio, you came in with a big $9 billion. Can you give me an idea what that was? Yeah, John, $9 billion. That's, yeah, $9 billion, which is the pre-pandemic economic boom to Florida from the uh, cruise industry. Now, cruise ships, of course, have been dry docked since the pandemic began, uh, since the uh, middle of March last year. And even as we are seeing other attractions and forms of entertainment open up, the cruise ship is languishing. 
uh, at, at ports. Uh, this is no small matter for Florida's economy and Florida's workers. Uh, ports depend on this income, and so do the 159,000 Floridians who are either employed by the industry or whose household or business income depends on the industry to some to varying degrees. Which, of course, means it was only a matter of time before the cruise industry became fodder for pandemic politics. And uh, and yes, we have discussed this on the podcast that you know the political gamesmanship right now includes this lawsuit filed by DeSantis and Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody to force the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to allow the ships to sail. And, and legislation as well by Florida's U.S. Senators Rick Scott and Marco Rubio to force the CDC to put details to cruise ship health and safety protocols and guidelines so the ships can sail again. There's even been some intra-party parting of ways. Uh, DeSantis, for example, opposes the use of so-called vaccine passports by businesses, including the cruise lines. Rick Scott said last week that he would be okay with vaccination requirements as an initial step to get the ships back on the high seas and get people working again. Uh, now, we have to point out that when it comes to cruise ships, the issue is more complex in theme parks and bowling alleys than in movie theaters. We, we saw this last year. Ships went out to sea. You got COVID infections rifled through them. It became a, you know, a humanitarian crisis on the open seas with, in the cases of many of these ships. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, as simple as, you know, hey, the movie theaters are opened up. Let's let the cruise ships sail. You know, nonetheless, it's been more than a year, and, and one can understand the impatience among the workers that are not or don't, that are missing paychecks and, and the political leadership that is that is sensitive to that. So how do you break the deadlock? Well, Palm Beach reporter Wendy Rhodes wrote about an effort in the U.S. Senate. Uh, while the, the Rick Scott legislation got torpedoed, there is still another effort in the U.S. Senate to address the cruise ships, and this involves uh, senators from Alaska and California, and you, you should recall that both of those states also have you know, cruise ship industries and, and are sensitive to this question of people out of work. So, look, if, if that effort succeeds and we get resolution of this, it will be a, an example of how bipartisan collaboration among lawmakers with similar interests uh, can actually result in good outcomes for people if... You know, at least we can we can at least daydream a bit here. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the cruise industry is uh, there's some talk now that they may be ready to come back in July or that the uh, Biden administration may open the door. So maybe maybe that gets resolved somehow before uh, DeSantis and his lawsuit trying to uh, reopen things. But, um, yeah, the, the question of uh, how many people are going to feel comfortable getting back on ships and uh, the whole issue of vaccine passports is going to hover over this whole thing. Well, my, my number was 101.5, and that's billion dollars. And that is what the state's budget for the year ahead is going to weigh in at. It's 10 percent bigger than the current year spending plan. So this budget that's going to be approved Friday by the legislature, by, by the usually skinflint Republican uh, legislature, is brimming with dollars, some $6.9 billion of them coming from the federal government for coronavirus relief, uh, including Medicaid and school help. Uh, the legislature also is tucking $6 billion into budget reserves, so that's also an unprecedented level. Um, you know, in a year so colored by COVID-19, maybe it's appropriate that the final budget figure of 101.5 sounds a little like a low-grade fever. 
but it also caps a, a roller coaster of a year where, you know, just last August, the legislature had gotten word that they could expect a $2.7 billion budget shortfall because of the economic collapse caused by the virus and all those shutdowns across much of the world, but, you know, not so much in Florida. Um, instead, what we're seeing is there's a $1.6 billion increase in state general revenue that's included in the budget that begins July 1st. That's uh, somewhat testimony to Florida's rebounding economy and uh, tax collections coming in at a better rate than forecast. Um, and then, of course, you know, as we mentioned, DeSantis suing the Biden administration over cruise ship restrictions, uh, and he's sparred with them over the talk of vaccine passports, too, of course. But when it comes to the cash, from Biden and the Democratic-led Congress, DeSantis and Florida Republicans are all ready to spend it. And uh, and it looks like kind of like a, they're going to look like economic miracle workers in the process. That, well, that's all the time we have for this week on Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank Antonio Fins for joining us from South Florida. Thomas Cordy, our production engineer, who always does a great job in getting us up and running. And Zach Anderson will be back with us feeling better next week, I'm sure. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. Stay safe out there, Florida.